And uh, how, how did y'all like the extra hour of sleep this morning? Did you, or did you just stay up an hour later last night like we did? <laughs> all right. Well, it's good to have you all here. Um, announcements this morning, I think, are pretty much that we don't really have announcements. We'll have a meal following the service. Please stay and uh, join us for that. Uh, Carrie and Sarah Edda are traveling this weekend. Keep them in your prayers. And uh, I believe Jason will be traveling back. The last I heard, his plans were to be back on this coming Saturday. So uh, be in prayer for him as he continues this journey and as he travels. And uh, pray that we would be a... Uh, Support and a strength to him in Christ as, as he returns here. Uh, this morning, uh, we have Ali and Christy here with us again. Christy has graciously consented to lead our praise and worship time, and we're thankful for that. She's done that for us before, and it's been a huge blessing. So uh, uh, we'll turn that over to you, Christy. Come on up, and uh, let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time that we have together here this morning, that we can come together and have fellowship and uh, around your word and in worship and in praise. I pray that you would be here with us this morning, that you would pour out your spirit, and that the things of this life would not be a distraction to us this morning as we focus this time on you. So we commit ourselves to you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
You can be seated. Thank you, Christy, for leading us in those songs of worship and praise to our Savior. That was a blessing. With uh, Carrie gone this morning, I don't think we have anything planned for the kids unless uh, somebody had an impromptu lesson or want to do music with them, but uh, I won't put anyone on the spot for that. Maybe I'll open it up just for a couple of minutes here if, if anyone has anything to share, any prayer request, uh, something you've been struggling with this week that you'd like prayer for, anything like that. Um, we'll take a few minutes for that, and uh, then I think Steve has something to share. I'm not sure if it's preaching or singing or both or uh, what that might be, but uh, I'll, I'll give you all a few minutes before uh, I turn it over to him, and after that we'll have a maybe a 10-minute break or something, and and then Phil will be sharing the sermon with us. So uh, now's your chance. Anyone have anything you'd like to share? Praise, thanksgiving, prayer request, testimony? Father, we thank you that you are our creator. Our lives have been formed by you and they are upheld by you, Lord. Even the breath in our nostrils is a gift from you. So we lift up Sarah, our dear mom. Lord, we lift her up before you and I, I pray that you would bless her. I pray that you would encourage her and strengthen her and touch her heart. Lord, and just bring her back, Lord, into a regular heartbeat and strengthen her heart, Father. You know, Father, the, the uh, things, Lord, that are causing it, and we just commit her into your hands and pray that you would anoint her with the oil of gladness this morning. Strengthen her inner man. Even though her outer body is suffering, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen her inner man with all might by your Holy Spirit so that she would be renewed again today. Day by day, you can renew us even though our outer man is decaying. But we do pray that you would touch her and heal her. In Jesus' name. Anyone else? That's a blessing. Thank you, Lord. You know, so often we ask God for things or we complain about things. And then when these things, whether little, medium, big, whatever you want to call that, happen, sometimes we forget that it's a blessing from God. So it's thank you for... Uh, being thankful and, and sharing that with us. Kent, did you have something? Yeah, a friend of mine is, is uh, on a diet for his stomach. Okay. Yeah, that's a big diet. All right, let's pray for that. 
Uh, Kent has a, a friend that is struggling with uh, diabetes problems. So uh, let's pray for them that they would get this under control and that God would uh, be exalted in their life. Father, I thank you that, that you really, truly are a father who cares about each one of us. You care about our spiritual well-being. You care about our physical well-being. And in that, we lift up Kent's friend to you and, and uh, their diabetes problems. Father, you know how tough those things can be. And I just I pray, Father, that you give them wisdom, give the doctors wisdom, that that could be brought under control and that you would be exalted and glorified in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Anyone else? Thank you for sharing that encouragement. And it is so easy in the busy lives that we live just to let so many things get pushed to the back burner, as it were, and forget the blessings that God has there for us if we just take that time for him. Do you have something else? It was along the same line. Oh, okay. It does. All right, Steve. You want to take five minutes or so? Or so. <laughs> well, good morning, brothers and sisters. How are you doing today? Good. Praise the Lord. Um, <clears throat> let me pray. Lord, I ask you, your anointing, open our hearts to your word, and Lord, that we can sense your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, last time I had the privilege of being up here, I talked about um, rejoicing. The title of this is Time of Rejoicing, Part 2. And I was talking about it's time to rejoice till we can gather together. Also, I talked about in... uh, Ezra, that they were building the temple, and once they got the foundation, they rejoiced. And so, and I'll call this the temple, Solomon built a temple, and he dedicated that temple to God, and the presence of God was so filled 
that the priests couldn't even share the word of God. And that presence, it would be nice if his presence was that filled in the time of uh, Solomon that we have. Even Jesus spoke of a temple. And the Pharisees, because he, he said, I'm going to destroy this temple, but in three days I'm going to uh, rise it up. And they thought it was a physical temple, but he was talking about what? His body. And his body is temple of God. You are a temple of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, how many here enjoy affliction? None of us. Okay. So God delivered Israel out of Egypt, right? And when they got on the other side of the Red Sea, they rejoiced. They celebrated, even though that celebration didn't go very long. But in that affliction, they were uh, delivered from Egypt into the wilderness. That was a testing point to get them ready for the promised land. Well, did they ever get ready for the promised land? No. But they still entered in 40 years later. So, but the affliction, God had them go through. And they brought some of the affliction upon themselves. And those who know the story know that they did. But how many times do we do that? In fact, the Lord's been, <laughs> what would just say, working in my life. You know, sometimes people think that you've got a, a faith and you, you're really into faith. And then, you, then the Lord shows you, uh, will you... Not there, weak. But he, but the Lord is good that he shows you and he puts that faith in you. But sometimes it's a testing. And how many always uh, pass that test of faith? Oh, I'm not the only one that has a problem. Okay. <laughs> so he got them through to the... Uh, the, the uh, wilderness. Now, how many here think you're in the wilderness today? None of you? But think about it. You are in the wilderness. Planet Earth. But the promised land is where? Heaven or the new Jerusalem. So, he wants, but he's, we're a testing ground. Okay. So, um, another thing is, how many rejoice when they're persecuted or even still have afflictions? Well, that shows that we need to grow a little bit more. Because, and you wonder, how can we rejoice in persecution or affliction? Okay, do you think it is an honor or time to rejoice when you are persecuted or afflicted? Paul did. Peter did. They, they addressed this issue. And if I had time, I'd give you uh, certain scriptures on that. But, uh, uh, okay, let's see if I lost my place here. Um, okay, yeah, for the cause of Christ, for the glory of God. 
Okay, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5. Could you turn to it? Oops, I went too far. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 through 12. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us, grow up. But how many of us are there that we think it's a time to rejoice and blessed? What I understand, blessed means happy. How many times you're happy when somebody persecutes you or accuses you of something you didn't do? Now, I have that last part I have a hard time with because I've had that problem for many years. People do that, and then and I whine and cry to God or just whine and cry, and we shouldn't. We, we should have that, okay, Jesus went through that, and if we're his children, we are going to go through that. Okay, Matthew 10, 19... Through 20, uh, 19 through 25. Okay, it says here, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour that ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you who have been hated of all men for the name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes." And he says, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Okay? Um, so we are going to be persecuted, and there's no way around it. And I got more scriptures, but we're now on time. Here's another interesting thing to be rejoicing about. And, and, and that is when the word of God is spoken. That's when, and in, is it Nehemiah or Ezra, when the priest uh, read the word, they stood up. I thought that was very interesting. And so even, even the angels rejoice. It says, in Luke 15, 9 and 10, that angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. So you see all this time of rejoicing, and there's one more, Passover. In Hezekiah's time and Josiah, they rejoiced. It was a Passover that was the, the best, what I understand from scriptures. Those were the two places 
that the Passover was really celebrated. So, many times in the Bible, it talks about rejoice. And now, turn to Philippians 4.4. 4. You guys ready to sing? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. You guys want to sing it again? Yeah, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Sorry for that last note. <laughs> Okay, um, one other scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Whoops, that's a second. Okay, we start with verse 16. Oh, we're going to sing it. I forgot to tell you that. Let's see. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. And I'll leave you one other scripture. 2 Timothy 3.12 Ye and all that will be live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. God bless you. Thank you, Steve. So, a little bit of preaching, a little bit of singing, and a whole lot of encouragement to rejoice. So, thank you. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, maybe about. 10 minutes or so, try to be back in your seats by around 11 o'clock, um, there is time that we've had here together already this morning, I pray that you would uh, speak to us now through your word, I pray for my brother Phil that he would speak the words that you give him, give him clarity of thought and mind, I pray Father that our hearts and minds would be open to receive the truths of your word that you have for us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 61. 
This is a word the Lord has been giving to me in the last couple of weeks, but especially this past week. And the word the Lord, Isaiah 61. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 61. The title, by the way, that the Lord has given to me, not often does the Lord give me a title, and you've noticed that if you listen to me share the word, but the title the Lord has just been ringing in my heart is Up From The Ashes. And that's what I've been experiencing this week. And if you haven't, it is the ministry of Jesus to you and me. That's his ministry. That's what he wants to do for every one of us, whatever those ashes are or represent in your life. Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Now, I want you to think about in the next few verses the antidote or cure for the problem. Jesus' cure for my problem. Good news when I'm afflicted. He has sent me to bind up a heart that is broken. And that word brokenhearted is. The word separate, when your heart feels like it's separated or a relationship that is broken, something comes apart. He binds it up. To proclaim liberty to the captive. Those who are held captive by others. When you're taken captive, someone who is aggressive in your life takes control of you. In one way or another. And holds you captive to their will. Brings you underneath their will. Jesus has come to proclaim liberty to the captive. You can be set free. And freedom to prisoners. This is Jesus' ministry to every human soul on earth. This is what he has come to do and is doing. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Does that seem contradictory to you? That the favorable day of the Lord is the vengeance of our God. Think about that. How is God's vengeance your favorable day? To comfort all who mourn. To grant or give those who mourn in Zion. What does he give us? Giving them a garland instead of ashes. Now what does a piece of clothing have with ashes? How is that related? I'll show you. Giving them 
a garland, a new piece of clothing. Does that ever make you happy? Have you ever noticed how happy kids get when you give them a new, a new shirt, new shoes? Right? Have you ever gotten new shoes and you just, somehow you walk through the day and you just kind of keep looking at them? Nobody ever done that? <laughs> Not the shirts. A garland instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, crying, or weeping. Notice that. The oil of gladness. The mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Have you considered those as opposites in your life? When you feel like you're going to faint. Have you ever been that weak? I'll tell you a story. Years ago, I went with a few guys down into the heart of Mexico. Down into what they call the Copper Canyon. It's a very rugged place. And back in those days, the only way down there was just this little donkey trail. For miles and miles, winding all the way down through the canyon. And back behind the Copper Canyon, there's, there are numerous indigenous tribes of people called the Tatamata Indian group, people groups. And there are numerous of people groups in lots of villages back there that new tribes, missions, and others who have studied Christianity and Christian groups around the world say are still unreached people groups. They have not yet heard the gospel. Of Jesus Christ ever. Some of these have never seen a car or electricity or a white person. They've never known, they don't know the modern world. They're that far removed and back into the mountains. And we heard about this people group called the Tatamata Indian people through a local pastor in Mexico um, in 2001. Katie and I had a special needs son that we took to El Paso, Texas and across the border actually into uh, Juarez, Mexico, where there was a, uh, a Mexican doctor who was able to treat him in certain ways for his special needs that wasn't available to us in the U.S. And so we went down there about every other month. We'd go down there for a week. We just drove down about 12-hour drive, and we'd spend the week there and, and give our son Christian these treatments. And while there, I met this uh, uh, brother from Mexico, um, and he was a pastor of a church. Both He had a church in El Paso, Texas, and also in Juarez, Mexico, and he would travel back and forth a lot, fluent in English. And he told me about this people group that he's ministering to down in the Copper Canyon, about another 12-hour drive from the border. And so he invited me to go down with him sometime. And so we did. Myself and a few other brothers decided the Lord was calling us to go down there and see what's there and see how we can help him. There were a few things he wanted to do. He wanted to build schools for their villages. And he, he was kind of doing it alone. There weren't many people who were serving down there with him. And, and, and so we went down and, and, and then we trekked for a whole week. We hiked every day from village to village. And I... I thought I was in pretty good shape physically until I started hiking those mountains day after day. We set up a little tent, just carried a little tent in our backpack, camped beside the creeks and slept on the ground night after night. They cooked us beans and rice for breakfast and rice and beans for lunch and beans and rice for dinner. 
and my body wasn't used to that. And after a week of that intense hiking, and every time we'd get to the village, we'd share the gospel, go from house to house, and, and with him, just sharing the gospel and, and praying for people and watching out for the cannibals. Some of them were still man-eating people who were roaming the hills. And um, Anyway, after a week of that, hiking back out that last long hike, I was so physically spent and tired. I remember coming to a point where there were about five of us traveling together, loaded with backpacks, and I felt I just cannot go on anymore. And I kept taking breaks, and they would all wait on me. And finally, one brother said to me, take this stick. He broke off a, a tree limb about this, this long, and he, he said, here, you hang on to it. And he put it like this, and he just began to pull me. And that's the only way I was making it up out that mountain, just hanging on. I remember going, I was so weak. I knew I was going to faint. Uh, just, I wasn't even hardly conscious anymore. I was just hanging on to the stick. That's all I could think of was hang on to the stick, hang on to the stick. The spirit of fainting. Have you been there? For your, your walk with Jesus is just hanging on to the stick. Haven't we all been there? He gives us the mantle of praise for the spirit of fainting. Have you ever been delivered from that spirit? Through a mantle of praise. See, there's something about praise that is an eruption from within. It's not something you and I can just do to ourselves. It's not an injection from without. It's not a medication you can take. It's not, it comes from within the spirit that Jesus pours into our hearts, into our inner man, and it strengthens us. It is the prayer that Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at this prayer that Paul prayed for them. This is how it works. Verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. That word power is the word dunamis. It's the word where we get dynamite from. That kind of power isn't slowly up, you know, ratcheting it up power. It's not a slow, it's a, an explosion. It's boom. It's just a little stick. And all of a sudden, the whole mountainside explodes. It's that kind of power. Dunamis. That's how he strengthens us. With Dunamis through his spirit in our inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses. Anything I can figure out surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up 
to all the fullness, fullness of God. So if you're looking at it anywhere else from any other source, you'll faint all the time. You'll just feel like you want to faint. Each day as life hits you. But if you'll come into his presence and pray for that power, and instead of kneeling down and being a beggar, by faith you'll kneel down and give praise. Boom! That's what happens. A boom happens in your heart. From fainting to strength. So they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. The reason I'm crying is because on on Friday night when Laurie passed away the next Friday night I was alone in a hotel laying on a bed crying out to God for Jason, for us as I laid there on bed alone and couldn't sleep early in the morning the Lord gave me this word. Kneel down and build an altar here. An altar of praise. And thank me for this experience. And I laid there, and I'll be honest, I said, no, Lord. I can't do that. I felt so much pain in my heart. I was numb. You know that? Isn't that how we were feeling? When you're numb with pain and your spirit feels like you can't go on, all you can do is hang on to the stick. And the Lord says, praise me. Get up out of bed and kneel down and give me an altar and sacrifice the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. What we heard this morning. I want you to understand when the Lord asks us to give, to thank Him and praise Him, it's always in the sense of a sacrifice. And the sacrifice isn't cheap. It's the best you got. It's a willing offering. And finally, I don't know how long it was, I said, okay, Lord, And I got up and I knelt down beside my bed and I tried to talk and I couldn't even say a word. But finally, as I cried out in faith, just quietly in my heart, there was a boom! It came from Jesus because I obeyed and knelt down and lifted my hands and I couldn't say a word. But it was a sacrifice of praise and obedience coming to God. And all of a sudden, thanksgiving began to pour out of my heart. I can't explain it except to tell you this truth 
is real for you and me. In the moment of our fainting, I'll finish the story. I'm hanging on to the stick. And somebody, finally I sit down and I was going delirious. And I, I was seeing things and I, I told people, just go on without me. I can't, I can't move anymore. And I just laid down on the dirt. And they set down their backpacks looking for something to help me, to give me some kind of nourishment. And someone found, I don't even remember what it was, some kind of a sugar drink, a pop or something. And they said, here, try this. And I don't even hardly remember. I was like, I can't even. And the, my one brother grabbed me there and he grabbed my face and he said, drink it. And he's like, pulling my mouth open, you know. And the moment I drank it, I perked right up. It was like within a minute or two. Perhaps I needed some kind of sugar or something. I don't know. But it worked. In your moment of fainting, you need to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Boom! It will raise you up. Strengthened with the sugar of Jesus. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. This word was encapsulated in the physical body of Jesus as he began his ministry. It was contained in him. He said so in Luke chapter 4. Turn your Bibles with me there. Verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue of the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Well, that was a short sermon. And he sat down. No wonder everybody's looking at him. But he wasn't done. Maybe I should sit down and finish preaching down from down there. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And something happened. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is not this Joseph's son? Don't we know this guy? Probably, it was his hometown. Probably it was, the synagogue was full of his People he went to school with. He grew up with them. They were neighbors. We know his family, his brothers, his sisters. And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. 
Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, a town not far away. Do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, not to any of the Hebrew people, but only to Zarephath, way up in the north, in the land of Sidon, to a woman, a Gentile woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in, the, in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And none of them were cleansed, except who? Their arch enemy, that Syrian called Naaman, who was the army of the captain who had just come in and made a raid in Israel and took captive this sweet little Israelite girl to be his slave. You should read the story again. He was the only leper who was healed. From his leprosy. All the others died. How are you feeling right now? You know how they were feeling? Read the next verse. They were all speaking well of him. Just a moment ago. Praising him. And all in the synagogue were filled with rage. As they heard these things. And they rose up. Grabbed him. And cast him out of the city. Took him up on a brow of the hill. Which their city had been built. In order to throw him down over the cliff. Wow what an ending to a sermon. <laughs> Would you preach? If you knew that was the end. That's what the Lord asked me. You want to follow me? Phil? Be my disciple be treated like I was treated in your hometown? This is the result of this today. This is fulfilled in your ears. Have you ever connected that? Are you still willing to go preach the gospel? Are you willing to have this scripture fulfilled in your life today? Jesus in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And this is the end, is part of the experience of the mantle of praise, of receiving the dunamite, the dynamite experience from fainting to thanksgiving and sharing that with people. Hadn't expected it quite like that, did you? In Psalm 30, this word also echoes these same words for you and I today. And the Lord blessed me with this word. He gave me so much instruction from it. David wrote this psalm. And you know David, he was a man of praise, right? Is that how you think of David? Praising and leaping before God. 
dancing and singing on instruments. Well, here David was giving praise to the Lord. And in verse 5, he says, For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. When the Lord disciplines us and brings us to a place so that he can share his holiness with us. Did you know that's always God's reason for his discipline in our life? There's no other. It's always for that reason. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and you'll see. In Hebrews chapter 12, he speaks of our father's discipline this way. My son, verse 5, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And that's a quote from Proverbs chapter 3, and that word receives in the Hebrew is the word every son in whom he delights, whom the Lord not only receives, but he delights in you. It's God's way of showing he's pleased with you. Can you believe that? No. Most of us don't believe that when we're disciplined. Doesn't feel like he's delighting in me. And unless I have the faith to believe it, I won't receive it like that. How do you receive God's afflictions in your life? As his tender, loving mercy or as his anger? If you have the faith to receive it as his love, it will be the most loving experience for you on earth. And that's why Paul said, I glory in it. I rejoice in it in Romans chapter 5. Because he had that faith to experience it that way, to receive it that way. He's seen his God is delighting in him. But when I take it, as the devil would like to make me feel it. And my human flesh feels it this way. God is upset with you. He's angry. He's disappointed. He's punishing you. There's no delight in that. It is for discipline, verse 7, that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, that word, by the way, is where we get the word disciple from. Made a disciple is what discipline is the root word. Disciple. You want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? You're volunteering for his discipline. That's what you're doing. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you're not really his children. You're illegitimate. It's not for real. You're fake. And you're not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. That's all we got as earthly dads. When we spank our kids or discipline them in some way, we do it the best we can. And as we feel the Lord leading us, hopefully we're doing it that way. 
But for God, it's different. But He disciplines us for our good. You see, there's something in us men, parents, men and women, who discipline our children many times for my good. There's some good in it that I want them to experience. I find that in my life, and I have to sort through that and put that to death when I go to discipline my child because he's disrespecting me or he's not obeying mom or, or, or me. Or there's, you, you want them to obey so that it, you know, it's for your good. But that's not God's motive ever. God has a different motive. He sets his love upon us for our good. That we may share his holiness. And David believed that. And so he said, his favor, verse 5, Psalm 30, is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a, notice it's not a gradual joy comes in the morning. No. A shout of joy, a burst of joy comes in the morning. And then, in verse 10, Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. That's where... The garment of praise is for a spirit of heaviness. Because you'll read as you read through Job in Job chapter 1. When all this affliction came on Job. What did he do? He tore his garment. You can read this throughout scripture. That when trials and afflictions came suddenly upon people. Whether it was in repentance a word of correction that led them to repent before God, or whether it was just an affliction through circumstances in life, the response that men had to God was twofold. They would tear their clothing and go sit in a heap of ashes. That was their response before God. It's the epitome of humility. It's what they called, they humbled themselves before God. And if you and I do that in our spirit, God looks upon that just like he did that wicked city of Nineveh when Jonah came and preached the gospel to them. What did they do? They tore their clothes, sat in ashes and fasted. And God responded in mercy through their repentance. The way up from the ashes does not come through our own strength, dear brother, sister. The, the saying, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, just doesn't work here. You can't pull up your own spirit by your own bootstraps. By the way, have you ever tried that? It always didn't make any sense to me. Right? Pull yourself. How are you supposed to pull, pull yourself up with your own bootstraps? Have you ever wore cowboy boots? You know, there's these little straps on there. You can pull the boot on your foot, but how are you supposed to pull yourself up off the ground with your own bootstraps? It doesn't work. You should try it. 
Well, we do try it, don't we? We try to find a substitute for Jesus in our life. When we go through trials like this. We hang on to sticks given to us by other people. Doesn't work. Didn't work for me. Lasted for a little while. He could pull me up the hill so far and finally it just didn't work anymore. I couldn't get my legs to walk. Until I was given that drink. Well, taste and see that the Lord is good in the middle of your fainting experience. And he will give us the oil of gladness. And he will raise us up out of that spirit of heaviness. Sister Lel and I were talking about how the spirit of heaviness can almost suffocate us. And I've been concerned for myself and for us as a church as we walk through this. You know, that we can be this kind of spirit of, just felt like the wind was taken out of our sails. Like it hit us out of nowhere and now what? You know, we don't feel like singing. We don't feel like preaching. What's the point? We all just want to die and go home to heaven. We kind of lose the spirit of life, of desire to living, to live. And we were talking about that. And the Lord warned me. He said, Phil, that can sit over you. The spirit of death can kind of sit over you like secondhand smoke. Did you know secondhand smoke, it's much more dangerous than the smoker itself? They say it is. Children who live with parents who smoke regularly and they live in that atmosphere, they're breathing it in all the time because it creates the atmosphere. Watch out. We're living in secondhand smoke. You see, Jason is right there in the intensity. And he's getting a lot of attention and love and comfort as he should. But you and I are also feeling pain and hurt and loss. And we can be like those kind of secondhand, living in the atmosphere of it, before we know, can suffocate our love for Jesus Christ it can suffocate the spirit of worship and adoration and praise and thanksgiving. It can suffocate it in my spirit. But the beauty is, Isaiah says in Isaiah 55, Isaiah 42, I think it is, that Jesus will not, he will not put out a smoking flax. He won't do that. He's not going to dump water on us when we're almost. There's no flame left. We're just smoldering. But he will bring it back. He'll revive the fire of love in our hearts. I shared with Jason last week. There are two things, Jason, you can do every day. The Lord gave me this word. What to do? What to do? When you feel like you're fainting, suffocating. And the Lord said, Phil, I've only given you two things to do. This is my ministry for you. Worship me and love others. That's it. Did you know that's what we're called to do? It's that simple, brothers and sisters. It is that simple. Sometimes we make it so complicated and we get so overwhelmed 
with all the things of what we think we should be doing and how we should be doing it. And the Lord is just looking for those who give Him praise and thanksgiving and enter into that worship heavenly experience that He can raise up like that and then share that with others. Go proclaim the good news to others and love them. That's our mission. That's our identity. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. That's all we're called to do as we gather together. It's that simple. Come to worship and love. Keep it that simple, dear Christian, dear brother, sister. And the Lord will guide us through all of these feelings and experiences. And he'll revive us. When we're feeling like we're suffocating and fainting. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of the book. They knew their God. You should get it. I highly recommend it to you. It's pretty cheap on Amazon. There's a series of four of these books. And each book has about 17 chapters. And each chapter is a short story of a person. And what these authors have done. I thought was Beautiful and so inspiring to me because they took many, it went back in Christian history and dug up archives of the most, most people that, you know, there are many out there who were famous authors back in the 1800s and 1600s and on up into our time, the 1900s. But there are many of God's children that no one ever heard about, or very few, but they're in the archives. And this couple, who put, compiled this series of four books, went back and dug through the archives, finding the unknown people who walked with God and left a testimony. There was a young couple like this. Their name was John and Betty Stam. I'm just going to read a short paragraph here for you to give you their story. In December 1934, on a lonely hill in China, John and Betty Stamm, young American missionaries, still only in their late 20s, were led out to die at the hands of red soldiers. The reaction to such a tragedy throughout the world was at first one of benumbed shock. You know that feeling? Then came the question into minds of many, why such a waste? You know that feeling too? I shared with Jason and the family out of John 10, Jesus is not a robber. When we feel robbed, Satan wants to tell us, you've been robbed, Jason, from Laurie, your wife and your baby. You've been robbed and you feel robbed. Jesus is the door not a robber. And when he opens and invites some to come through, whether it's into heaven or into another church or into another mission field or into another life experiences, we feel robbed, don't we? We don't get to go through that door. But Jesus is the door. He's not a robber. And that difference is the difference between life and death. For us suffocation of the smoke of death 
for the life-giving spirit which lifts us up into praise and thanksgiving and worship and gives us the strength to love others as we walk through this experience. But as faith triumphed over seeming defeat into Christian lands everywhere, listen to this, came an upsurge of missionary zeal. It is probably true that more was accomplished for God in that supreme sacrifice than would have been possible had John and Betty lived to give years to normal missionary effort. Now the question remains, are you willing to be that sacrifice? The Lord is looking for living sacrifices that live out that truth. That's the ministry of Jesus in me and in you. And that's where worship is experienced and love is enacted where we can truly love others. God bless you. By the way, there's a whole story. I don't have time to read, but you should get it. I hope I just made your appetite a little wet for it. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for sharing that word of encouragement and challenge for us to be willing to be a sacrifice. And I can say, too, that there have been times in in my life, and I'm, I'm sure each one of yours as well, where it where it feels like maybe because of circumstances we're going through or whatever the case may be, that it feels like we're just that pile of smoldering flax, like there's just nothing there. But I, I can tell you for sure through experience, in times like that, just crying out to God, don't, don't quench what little smoldering is there. Raise it up somehow. And he will. He always has. I know he's never let me down in, in those times. And he won't for you either. Thank you, Phil, for sharing those words. I think that brings us to the close of this part of our service. So let's... Uh... Steve, do you have something to say yet? Yes. I already said we're closing. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> what do you have to say? Zephaniah 3, 17 and 19. Hey, Isaiah 61, 10 and 11 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decked uh, deck himself with ornaments, and a bride adore herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth her buds, and as the garden causes the things that are sown into its spring forth,
So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. You're just filled with praise this morning, Steve. <laughs> what were the verses there, Phil? Yeah, and it's contagious, Steve. Thank you. Uh, verse 16 and 17, yeah. In that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Amen. Thank you, Steve and Phil, for reading those. That is a perfect note to close our service on. So let's stand. We'll have a dismissal prayer and a blessing on our meal. Um, Please do stay and join us for the meal and that time of fellowship. John, you want to lead us in prayer? I'd like to say one thing yet about Lori, if I can. You know, I'm sure we all miss Lori, and when I think about her sometimes... um, you know, it's almost like something happens in my neck. I get choked up. <laughs> and I take a big breath and, oh, man, is it really true? Yeah, it's true. But uh, one thing the preacher said in, in the funeral, that Lori's traveling days are over. And she traveled a lot. And she did a lot for a lot of people here. And, and um, then I had to think of the song, um, uh, if I could think of it now, it's it's about when um, as we travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend that walks with us, and that friend is Jesus. The same Jesus that's with Lori is with us, so we're still one with Lori and one together as we get to know Jesus more and more. What a blessing. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for our service today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of Lori and her life again. We pray for Jason, Lord. We pray that you would bless him, Lord, as travels here, Lord. Our traveling days are not over yet, Lord, but we look forward to the day when we could be together with you. We thank you, Lord, for the food, and thank you for this service. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You're dismissed. <laughs>